0: to the mike meets london tastemakers podcast in this episode i'm talking to jens knoop of chocolate drink store knoops jens talks about how he went from photographer to chocolate drinks baron just a love of chocolate and a lot of bad hot chocolate experiences along the way we chat about taking inspiration for products from art and culture as well as food and jens teases some innovative new chocolate drinks that are on the way we caught up in their Chelsea store pretty much on the eve of them opening in Brighton as well, and there is a bit of noise filtering through from the steamers, so sorry about that. But in the meantime, enjoy the episode. Perfect. So I'm here with Jens Knup, founder of Knup's, uh, chocolate drinks that are taking over London step by step. And I was wondering if you want to introduce yourself and give us a bit of a elevator pitch
1: for what Knup's is, what you do. Hello, Mike. We just have the ambulance going past. <laughs> Um, that means it's busy outside. Hello, I'm Jens Knoop. We are aiming to provide or offer you the best chocolate drinks in the world. That's certainly what we're aiming for, but you'll be the judge, of course. <laughs> we are serving you hot chocolates, chocolate milkshakes, chocolate milks. Um, and we also introduced ice cream now, but we have a whole range of, of drinks for you available. We have really good coffee as well. We're doing mockers, which a lot of people appreciate. And um, you can customize as you want it. You can make it gluten free naturally. You can do it vegan. We have a whole range of milks for you. And then you can spice it up with exotic peppers, sea salt. We have a lot of monthly flavors and a whole range of bakery items mm-hmm. for you as well. So. And I think my elevator pitch is over. We just arrived.
0: (laughs) I mean, your uh, one-line best chocolate drinks in the world is a pretty good pitch, I think. Yeah, Yeah, it
1: is. (laughs) But you know what? That was an interesting story. So about seven years ago, the Daily Telegraph, uh, I think it was seven years ago, the Daily Telegraph came in. And she she introduced herself. So it wasn't an undercover mission. Um, But she said... um, Listen Jens, I'm doing a little bit of research on hot chocolates and you popped up, Um, I think she looked on TripAdvisor at that time and um, so I I just wanted to check in with you and and, um, can you make me a drink and I made her 70% with sea salt and star anise which is still Mm. one of my favorites as a hot chocolate and she really loved it. And, and then she asked me, do you know any other chocolatiers who do hot chocolates as well? And I named a few and I thought, okay, that will be a nice mention. Then mm. she called me again the next day and said, I want to make this a slightly bigger story. Um, and I will send down a photographer. And I thought, okay, this is getting out of hand. <laughs> um, and then, of course, there it was. The article, it was half page um, in, in the weekend edition of the Daily Telegraph with a headline, is this the best hot chocolate in the world? Mm. So just to clarify that, I never said that, but we're certainly aiming to make the best hot chocolate in the world. But that's how it all started. That's Mm. how we uh, were thrown onto the map of the chocolate world, basically. Amazing.
0: And so taking it sort of right back to the beginning, I guess, do you have any kind of particular history with chocolate or food and drink generally, like that sort of led you on this path to...
1: The food and beverage industry itself, zero. Mm chocolate since I was born and pretty much is like that because um, chocolate was always a treat and especially my grandmother always treated me to a piece of chocolate when I've been good Um, but it was very ceremonial it was always okay sit there and take off your shoes and sit with a straight back and here's your piece of chocolate because you've been good today Um, And it was always milk chocolate as well, of course, and sometimes a biscuit with it. But it was, yes, I think ceremonial is the right word for it. Mm. Um, But I was, I didn't think I could do this or I would do this in a professional environment. That came much, much later. So should I go back a little bit how I got into this? It's it's a little bit of a journey, but it all makes (laughs) sense. So I worked as a photographer in Germany Mm -hmm. and then decided to come over to the UK to study photography. Um, I went to Bournemouth, studied three years there, but I was the, um, how would you say, I was the artist and I would Mm -hmm. only work um, with analog photography. And of course that was a kind of dying um, medium and, and it was all going digital. So I started to switch from The analog photography, which I liked so much, and I went into online streaming, Mm. and it's—I know it's a long story—but there Mm -hmm. is a bridge here. So I started working for an American company who provided live video streams of focus groups, and they streamed that back to um, to big companies um, Mm -hmm. because they wanted to know um, if there was a focus group what people think about that chocolate bar that drink that newspaper that car and so on so i traveled a lot for them i I set up um, focus grooms video streaming equipment in um, asia pacific uh, all over europe in in north america and there was this recurring theme which was stuck in my head i want to treat myself i don't have a lot of money but i want to treat myself Um, and that's where I got the idea for, it's a small, affordable luxury. Um, I was still a chocolate, a chocolate addict at that <laughs> right. stage, at that stage and, and I thought, okay, let's have a look. Um, I really like chocolate, and I know a lot of other people like chocolate. And at that stage, I think it was about eight and a half years ago, the bean-to-bar market emerged, mm. uh, where people paid more attention how to right. produce chocolate. And the customers were becoming a bit more demanding as well. They didn't just want um, a plain supermarket chocolate. They want to know where it's coming from. They wanted to taste the difference between the chocolates. So I thought, okay, I'm not a chocolate maker, but I know people want chocolate. So what can I offer that enriches the market and makes people happy? And they finally get their small affordable luxury. So I thought, I had some really bad hot chocolates. Let me change (laughs) that. Oh, I know that feeling. (laughs) Really bad hot chocolates. Um, And they were all either watery Mm -hmm. or... uh, There was just no flavor. And there was always... When when you walk into the coffee shops, there was one choice. And that's it. And that choice very often was not very good. So I thought, okay. Um, So 2013, the beginning of 2013, I quit my job for the... Um, for the video streaming company or with the video streaming company and they decided let's just open this. And as I was living in um, Cambersans in East Sussex at that time I chose, which I thought was a good spot, a village called Rye in East Sussex. It's close to the beach, it's a very pretty um, town, lots of heritage, a lot of independent jobs. Um, Busy um, at the weekends and the summer uh, with tourists but also Um, Very nice locals and they supported me definitely up to, uh, right until um, today, um, they're still uh, with me. Um, So I opened it in March 2013, um, at the end of March 2013 and I had no idea what I would do during the summer. (laughs) Zero idea, I thought I gotta start. Um, Beautiful small building listed, um, the old stables to a forge Mm. next door, Um, beautiful views. Um, And the rest is history Mm. Um, and then yeah, I introduced the milkshakes pretty quickly because I thought uh, Not everybody wants to drink hot chocolate during the summer A lot of people do but Mm. I need to add something to it Mm. and that's when the milkshake started as well, but that's what it was. It was Listening to consumer research um, Feeling and hearing the desire of people they want to treat themselves Mm. But they can't buy a new house a new car and expensive holidays Um, And then, of course, the emerging market, interesting chocolates and a lot of bad hot chocolates (laughs) out there, and and we are in the forefront to change that.
0: Perfect. And so how did you find that market in Rye, I suppose? And what led to you opening your first store in London?
1: Um, So Rye is very interesting because Rye is very, very diverse. Um, A strong local community they're very proud of the heritage right, yeah. They're very protective of the look of the town mm-hmm. because they don't um, just want to convert it into a, um, just another tourist destination course, with a lot yeah. of chains yeah. there. So um, they're very protective when it comes to planning permissions, right, uh, right. changing the exterior buildings. And I learned my lessons there. And of course at the beginning I thought, come on, just <laughs> let me do it. But it makes sense yeah. because Rye is attractive because it has a heritage, yeah. it has a certain look. Um, the, the, the taste um, of the customers in Rye really varies. Um, at the weekends and during the summer, it's full on milkshakes. Right. Just because it's a treat for the whole family. Yeah. And then during the week, we have our daily customers coming mm-hmm. in. Every day they're coming in for a specific hot chocolate, that is their ritual, uh, that might be their breakfast. Uh, a solid, um customer base uh, coming in for the coffees as well right. very early in the morning and then of course the after-school treat mm. um and then so about two years ago um and that's where the london story starts mm. so everybody said oh you must open in london you must open in london right. um but of course it's a big step yeah coming yeah. from rye to london uh, Um, So initially I thought, okay, before I go to London, I'll have a look at Brighton. Right. Um, And I was close to, um, I already looked at some premises in Brighton and I spoke to some people, but then a regular customer um, of mine approached me and said, Jens, what do you think? Let's have a look at um, your business um, and see if we can um, introduce that to London. Um, I thought, okay, well, yeah. here the books, have a look, and that's when it started. So we started last year, was it last year, in Clapham Junction, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was uh, that's interesting. I just came from there, a, a, a beautiful corner unit in a very residential area. Then um, we looked at Kensington High Street. Beautiful, beautiful, um, right next to a very old fashioned flower stall that <laughs> has been there for decades. Right. Um, and now today here, we are in King's Road um, in, a, in a very beautiful basement, which I'm, I'm using for training. Customers can sit here as well, and we're also going to do some, um, some talks with um, oh, chocolate nice. makers. Very nice. Um, so that's going to be fun. Um, yeah. And then this week. Today's Monday. On Friday we're opening in Brighton, Congratulations. so finally we are opening in Brighton. That's going to be a lot of fun and very busy.
0: For sure, yeah, just in time for the summer rush as well. Oh <laughs> yes, oh yes. Perfect. And so uh, I'm curious, um, especially, yeah, be, maybe being a bit tentative about coming into the London market, who do you see kind of as your competitors, I suppose, here, mm. and how, how do you
1: think you sort of stand out from the crowd? Nobody does uh, specialized chocolate drinks. Mm. Nobody does it. It's always an added um, product to the main range. Is it uh, the coffee houses? Is it um, it might be some patisseries who um, offer a hot chocolate Mm -hmm. or a chocolate drink? Um, Nobody specializes in it. So in in that respect, we don't have any competition. We are on the forefront of a new genre, a new market. of course, there are, uh, there are other coffee houses that, that offer a good mm-hmm. hot chocolate. Um, there are other milkshake bars that offer a, okay, not as good as ours, um, a chocolate milkshake. <laughs> but there's certainly no other place that, you, um, that offers you the variety of course. Um, and the versatility. Mm. Uh, the customer comes in and has specific dietary requirements. Um, I don't think you get that anywhere else. So, yes, there are always other people I um, I feel inspired when it comes mm. to chocolatiers, for example, of course, yeah, um, yeah. or new trends, and I'm looking out for new trends, just to listen what customers appreciate nowadays. Mm. But direct competition? No, <laughs> I don't think so. Well.
0: League of your own, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I think we created something here. And being in Rye, um, so a little bit isolated, mm-hmm. it definitely has helped. Right. Um, because there was less pressure, right. and I could I, I could do whatever I wanted there. Um, obviously, I offered something, and then the customer feedback shaped it. Right, right. Um, if I put some weird ingredients on the menu board that don't sell, then I will take it off. But if customers come in and say, have you heard of this and this, and I hear it again, then it will uh, be right. added.
0: Cool. and you mentioned, uh different chocolatiers just there and one of the enviable parts of your job is presumably getting to test and try lots of different chocolates yep. Um so how, how do you find all your different
1: producers and how do you yeah maintain your quality bar um, so the quality level is high there are certain chocolates which we just cut out straight away um, for for many reasons um, which we uh, a market we don't get into we are setting the bar high mm. um, w- now that we are on the map of the chocolate world. And I had to work really hard for that. I <laughs> had to eat a lot of chocolate. Yeah, um, it's a hard life, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm being sent samples, right. which is fantastic. And sometimes you have to be kind mm. and sometimes you fall in love. Right, right. Um, and sometimes there are fantastic chocolates which will not work as a hot chocolate. Of course. There are yeah. very subtle flavor notes in there and that just wouldn't work in a hot chocolate and others are just purely sensational and I know exactly this is the one we need to take that. Um, but yes, because a lot of chocolate uh, chocolate makers, a lot of chocolate makers see this as, oh, this is a new market. This could be interesting. Mm. It's not just a bar or it's not just enrobing um, a truffle. Um, it is. A drink which is very new it's a new market and very exciting and what can be done with it and of course some of the chocolates are changing the flavor profile as soon as they are up with some milk uh, as, as, um, as soon as they're being heated up right. so they change but I, I, get, I get chocolate scent now which is right. just <laughs> such a privilege a few <laughs> years ago yeah. I would have never dreamt of that yeah. but I'm getting some very interesting chocolates and some, some work and some don't but I try them all
0: Fantastic. (laughs) One thing that I did want to touch on, I think the first time we met, uh, I'd just run about six or seven miles to the store, Mm -hmm. uh, was having a milkshake and a hot chocolate. It was cleansing, I remember it, was. yeah. yeah. And you you came over and you said you were in the middle of an argument with someone who was telling you that chocolate makes you fat. And you said you wanted to use me as uh, a... Evidence to the contrary, I know you're quite passionate about that, but yeah, you get lots of runners and cyclists and things through the
1: store. And that actually started in Rye, because Rye is surrounded by a very flat landscape. Um, So a lot of cyclists um, are using it as a destination to come from London to Rye and then Mm. then cycle back again. If they can, sometimes Mm. they jump onto the train. But uh, we also have a lot of running groups there and a lot of running retreats. They use it as a fuel. Yes, most chocolates um, have a certain calorie count. Um, Some of them have a carbohydrate count that depends on how much sugar is in the chocolate. Um, But I would say our most active customers are the customers that choose the sweeter chocolates because they do need the carbohydrates to fuel them again. And of course, when you're choosing a certain milk, you're adding protein back for muscle recovery. Mm. Um, and you're adding caffeine and theobromine as well, if you'd like. So um, that is another stimulant, if you yeah, want yeah. that. So very, very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I know I'm yeah always coming in for my post-run fuel as well. So Yeah. So. yeah.
1: And I mean, for the listeners who can't see Mike, <laughs> yes. <laughs> very fit. Young man here <laughs> in front of does us, the job. So, it does yeah. the job. But I mean, yes. You, can you feel the difference that you are mm. energising your body? Yeah, again, okay. for sure. So, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um,
0: so one thing that I've been asking people recently, because uh, it's kind of the elephant in the room, I suppose, is like how the pandemic's affected things for you. How sort of in and out of lockdown, different COVID restrictions have impacted the business. I mean, I think you've managed to stay open pretty much the whole time. Is that right? And um, we closed the first lockdown
1: right. um, because there was a lot of uncertainty. And of course there was nobody wanted to leave the house, yeah. could leave the house. Um, so for the protection of the customers as well as the staff, until there was more certainty mm. um, how we can proceed, we closed Rye and at that time and Junction, right. which just opened. Yeah. I think it was three weeks before the lockdown uh, we opened. And then we had our online business going because we were selling our uh, chocolate flakes yeah, throughout the website. Um, so that was busy because people still need chocolate. Obviously. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but th- then we need to look, how are people responding to this? Um, because eventually people have to go out again or want to go out again. Um, so we, we started customizing the, um, the shop setup okay. in Clapham Junction we added an extra door um, as there were, before there was only one door right. and then we added a second door so there's more of a flow through right. the store. Um, of course we had a Covid screen, sanitizing stations and so on. It was interesting because we, we were not sure how people would respond um, to us being open again once it was legally possible. Right. But for a lot of people it was a lifeline. Mm. Um, it was the treat they deserved, they wanted, they were craving for. Um, and of course we provided, and we are still providing, a safe environment with minimum contact, so no cash payment and so right, on. Right. Um, but so people can have a, a safe treat, but they get their treat they deserve. Yeah. And, and you remember the first lockdown was very, very long yeah. and nobody else was open so and and then people started to emerge and from then on we never had to close down again because we were we are predominantly at in takeaway business yeah.
0: fantastic and so yeah we're in chelsea as you mentioned your most recent london store
1: foreign mm-hmm. coming yep. and richmond i think you said was richmond next? yeah so brighton first then richmond and then We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's going to be my
0: next question. So yeah, what what does the future hold apart from you know world domination, obviously? Yeah.
1: Um, you know what we'll see. Now that we opened uh, a whole variety of shops in different areas, uh, we can see what kind of feedback we get. Uh, it's definitely very seasonal mm. when it comes to the location of the site. Right, right. So there's definitely a Rye and Brighton versus Central London. And we already feel it now that people in central London, if they can, go out to the Mm. seaside. And so there's a good balance. Um, There is a good balance. And I think we will continue to seek that balance that uh, we will never be quiet because we can exist in central London as well as outside central London. Um, I'm not going to give it it away yet (laughs) where the next one is. I think there's one on the horizon. But... um, yeah, that that is an interesting one mm-hmm. again. Um, but Richmond next. And I think we're aiming for mid-September to open that. Which should be interesting because um, the school holidays yeah, will be yeah. finished in as well.
0: Interesting. And so I guess tangential to all of that, like you mentioned, you're doing the retail side of things as well. Mm-hmm. Was that always sort of part of what you wanted to do or was that just something that evolved from the Rye store? Or?
1: It was always there. Um, On a much, much smaller scale, obviously. And um, right at the beginning, I was only open um, from Friday to Monday. So I would have time in the middle of the week because it was a one-man show at that time um, to do the chocolate flakes Mm -hmm. in in my little commercial kitchen I had. And then on Friday, I went back into the shop. So it was a long week, but it was always there um, because people always asked, or they've been to Rye and it was a holiday a vacation right. away from um, where i live in manchester and they want to take some um, back with them um, or have it sh- have it shipped there right. so um, it was always there and, and now um, i have some proper work, people working <laughs> on that um, for me but yes absolutely um, and there should be some very exciting products coming up, mm. so we're adding to it, more <laughs> chocolate drinks, but of a different variety. So Ooh, very interesting. Okay. So you, went. I'm liking all these teasers. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, 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 no. <laughs> Stay tuned. But very interesting. So I'm, my role now is is a lot about testing new stuff right. and creating new stuff, and um, obviously eating a lot new chocolates, which is a tough job, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but also finding alternative ways um, to bring chocolate to the people. Yeah. Um, what else is out there that is not traditionally chocolate, but it comes, comes from chocolate. Right, for example. Right, okay. So a lot of new trends popping up at the moment right. about upcycled food, for example, um, which is good, good for the environment.
0: Oh, very cool! Yeah, I'll uh, be keeping my eyes peeled on oh, yeah. that. <laughs> There's one on there
1: that will give you zero calories and zero carbohydrates. Wow. So that's <laughs> not sure if that's your dream, okay, but wow. it's, a headline. It's, it's very tasty. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um,
0: so I guess moving away from canoes a little bit uh, on a more personal side of things, mm-hmm. I know you live down on the south coast, but do you have any sort of favorite spots in London that you like to visit while you're around here?
1: So I'm living in, um, on the south coast now, um, in the East Sussex. But when I came over to England, there was nothing but London. Right. I mean, uh, uh, England outside London didn't exist mm. for me then. Um, and for a short while, I was also working as a, a push bike courier. Okay, so right. I was everywhere. And then you find hidden treasures um, in, in every corner. So, for example, Lincoln's Inn Field, hmm. which if you um, drive down, um, what is it, Gra- Theobald's Road, and like Grayson right. Road, you don't know it's there. Yeah. It's hidden. It's the tiniest entrance. And then you have this fantastic field that's surrounded by these beautiful buildings. Um, there are a lot of beautiful spots there. Um, so I used to live right in the city, uh, next to Bartholomew the Great Church. Okay, um, right. So one of my favorite art centers was always the Barbican, it still is, but um, I really love the Curve Gallery, Um, that is just a stunning space, and it's free, Mm. so that was also one of my favorite cinemas, but then, because I took that job with a video streaming company in Tunbridge Wells, I started to step out of London and started to appreciate what's outside London, and of course, there are magnificent spaces there, Mm. and now I couldn't be any further remote (laughs) Um, because I live in a village now that has one post office and that's it. (laughs) So it's interesting coming back to London now and and reevaluating it, how fast it has changed, Mm. um, who stayed and who has left. Um, But I'm I'm always up for going to other art galleries for example. Very interested. Um, Listen Gallery is one of my favorite ones and food. Um, There's a new chocolate hole that has opened, (laughs) so I'm definitely, I'm I'm always there, that's at Harrods. Um, Oh yes, I heard about that. Mm -hmm. It's it's a good spot, (laughs) (laughs) it's a good spot, it's a little bit of chocolate heaven there. Um, And we'll be there soon as well. Oh really? Which is, yeah, that's a privilege, that is a privilege. But always looking out for new foods, but of course London has changed, it all moved out a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily in Zone 1 anymore it's not become a circle right, right. Um, where the rents are loaded, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: And uh, if you're in a village where there's one post office and nothing else, I guess, yeah, how, how do you, well, do you feel like you need to sort of, yeah, get out and try different things elsewhere? Like how, how do you sort of be adventurous, I yeah. suppose?
1: Absolutely. So go out, um, throw myself right into it and then bring it back mm. and see what can be done with it. Right, right. Um, so it's the dipping in and out. Um, it's traveling whenever possible, right. um, absorbing um, quality, um, different influences, and then bringing them back and working on it. It's As I said earlier on, I was able to develop Knops because Rye is almost like a little island that's cut off um, and I could do whatever I wanted right. there and it's similar now so I, I gather all the influences and, and uh, what I tasted and experiences and impressions and then bring it back um, and there could be um, food, it could be art, it could be um, foreign cultures um, and then bring it back and, and um, yeah infuse it into one mm. of our chocolates one way or another mm, very cool. so it's it's a balance it's um going out coming back going out coming back right right very nice um and so apart from
0: obviously this new own genre as you mentioned of chocolate drinks that you brought to the scene are there any kind of big trends or things that you're seeing coming towards like the london food and food and drink hospitality scene any uh things that we'll be seeing more of do you reckon or
1: um, so one of the things that always has been um, interesting over the last year or so is um, that it's customizable. Right. Um, because people or customers, want they, they want their own. Mm. Um, they, they want how they think it's perfect for them. Right. Um, and of course we can do that. We do have 22 different chocolates on the board. Mm. Um, all sorts of sweetnesses. Uh, taste profiles um, based on um, Various drinks. Um, I'm sorry milks so vegan non-vegan milks um, th- So that is a big trend I hear through other yeah. industries as well um, There's a big push. There's still a big push towards sustainability and so on um, certificates are being renewed re-looked at um, What's what gives the customer confidence? Right. and so that's where Um, I'm striving for new products that um, are recycled, upcycled, sorry, upcycled, which is a new trend coming over from the US, which is going to be very interesting, um, which gives the the cocoa farmers um, extra revenue for products that are usually being thrown away. Um, What else? Um, yeah, you hear a lot of silly trends, and when you when you try to find them again, then they're gone. Yeah, okay. yeah that's true. Um, But there, there there is a trend about um, calming, um, mm. calming, um, reassuring foods. Um, but we'll see. It's it, yeah, they might be coming up and down. And yeah, those, but uh, yeah, definitely um, customizable mm. um, to make it the perfect drink for the individual, mm. as well as um, sustainability.
0: it's a really good shout i mean obviously you're seeing more and more places yeah even you're just sort of standard coffee shop yeah obviously having to stock a variety of milks or like maybe some like extra seasonings or whatever the case may be yeah too yeah, it's try and rise to meet the increasing demands that the customers are putting on them, I suppose. But that everywhere else kind of still feels like maybe they're a bit on the back foot with that stuff.
1: Well, for a lot of shops, that's extra work. Mm. But of course, the staff also needs to be trained. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to hot chocolates, for example, it's, um, as I said earlier on, for most shops, just an added product. Right. Uh, Whereas, if this is our main product, we want to make it perfect for you. So if you feel like a white chocolate with Szechuan pepper, we just happen to have that for you. And it's not unheard of! White chocolate, Szechuan pepper. Have to give it a go. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting. It's very interesting. I'm bringing um, new peppers in. So there's a new long pepper. That's interesting. It's under the counters. (laughs) Secret stash.
0: Uh, I, I think you might have mentioned it earlier, but what's your favorite? drink that you can make here at
1: Canoves? Okay, Um, so it changes. And I'm not just saying that um, because um, all all drinks are great. No, it it really depends on my mood. If I want something with a higher caffeine and um, theobromin levels or stimulant, if I need a bit more sugar, um, if I want something exotic, so the best-selling chocolate um, is usually a, a milk chocolate with nice. a little bit of sea salt, okay. um, and the percentage varies from from store to store. But I sometimes, if I need a, a real kick, I get a hundred percent from the Solomon Islands, mm. um, and. To, to get the best flavor out of it. I have it made with water from time to time. Okay. But that's hardcore. Yeah. So um, <laughs> if I suggest that, I say it's not for everybody. I, um, um, I really like a uh, 70% with rosemary and sea salt. Right. Uh, that's very nice. That's uh, out there, it's different. White chocolate matcha, which is very now, mm, that's yeah. very popular. Um, the milkshakes, uh, when it comes to the colder versions then, um, I really like our 80% milkshake because I'm a big fan of chocolate mousse (laughs) and an 80% uh, milkshake reminds me of a frozen but drinkable chocolate Mm, mousse. I can see that. Um, And then chocolate milk if you want something a little bit lighter. um, I just tweak the the way the the chocolate milks or the iced chocolates are made at the moment. So it's really smooth, beautiful. Um, and they're very popular as well, because they can be made um, as vegan drinks as mm. well. Perfect,
0: cool. Well, uh, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to me. You're it's very been, welcome, uh, Mike. enlightening and cool. uh, sweet or some kind of chocolate joke. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what you've got coming down the line and also visiting you in Brighton. In Absolutely, Mike, there will be a drink for you there. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, well, thanks very much again, and uh, catch you in a bit. Thank you. And there we have it. So thanks once again to Jens for taking the time to chat to me. It's always an interesting conversation at comes. You can now find them in Rye, Clapham Junction, Kensington, Chelsea and Brighton with Richmond on the way soon. I've linked all their socials in the show notes as always. You can find me on Instagram at MikeEatsLondon or follow the pod at MikeMeatsLondon. If you enjoyed the episode, please do subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've not left a review or shared with a friend yet, then I'm very disappointed in you. Catch you next time.